Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on corporate governance and financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, the General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcast episodes is to update CII members and the general public on developments in corporate governance and related CII advocacy activities in connection with the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers the period from June 1st to June 28th. Let's begin with the United States Congress. On June 5th, the Senate Banking Committee held a hearing to consider the nominations of several federal appointees, including Allison Lee, to be the next commissioner of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Asked whether an effective enforcement strategy at the SEC should incorporate tough penalties as part of its strategy to prevent harm, deter bad actors, and punish wrongdoers, Ms. Lee replied that the best way to get at compliance is deterrence, and she said she supported strong penalties in the right case as such an approach has the best deterrent value. Following the hearing, the Senate Banking Committee favorably reported to the full Senate by voice vote the nomination of Ms. Lee, and on June 20th, the U.S. Senate confirmed by voice vote Ms. Lee's nomination. As a result, the SEC now has its full complement of five commissioners. On June 27th, CI sent letters to Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa and Jack Reed of Rhode Island supporting their bill, S-1256, the PCOB Enforcement Transparency Act. That bill would make PCOB enforcement hearings and all related notices, orders, motions, and sanctions open and available to the public unless otherwise ordered by the PCOB. The House Companion Bill to S-1256 was discussed at a June 19th hearing before the House Financial Services Committee's Subcommittee on Investor Protection, Entrepreneurship, and Capital Markets. CII sent a similar letter to the subcommittee expressing support for the bill. CII believes the current lack of transparency surrounding PCOB disciplinary proceedings could provide accounting firms with an incentive to litigate cases in order to continue to shield bad conduct from the public. S-1256 would give investors more timely access to valuable information, such as fines to be levied against an auditor, that could be helpful when investors are casting their proxy votes for the election of the chair and members of the audit committee or for ratification of the external auditor. Finally, we note that Congress has already recognized the need for transparency in the PCOB enforcement proceedings in the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act. We are unaware of any reason why that transparency should not be extended more broadly, as is the case with SEC enforcement proceedings. Turning now to the U.S. House of Representatives. On June 3rd, the House Appropriations, Financial Services, and General Government Subcommittee favorably reported to the Folk Appropriations Committee by voice vote its fiscal year 2020 appropriations bill. That legislation would, among other measures, fund the Securities and Exchange Commission at $1.85 billion. That's up from $175 billion from fiscal year 2019. On June 4th, Representative Sean Duffy of Wisconsin introduced H.R. 3088. The proposed bill would require the Securities and Exchange Commission to adjust the resubmission thresholds for shareholder proposals under Rule 14A8. The bill was referred to the House Financial Services Committee. It currently has no co-sponsors and a near 0% chance of being considered by the committee. On June 11th, the House Appropriations Committee favorably reported to the full House the fiscal year 2020 Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Bill 
As indicated earlier, that legislation would, among other measures, fund the SEC at $1.85 billion. On June 9th, the House Financial Services Investor Protection, Entrepreneurship, and Capital Markets Subcommittee held a hearing to examine eight legislative proposals that are designed to bolster regulators' enforcement tools against security law violators. At the hearing, Subcommittee Chairman Carolyn Maloney of New York argued that the eight proposals would strengthen the enforcement of securities laws, stressing that proper enforcement of the securities laws helps maintain investor confidence in our markets. In contrast, Ranking Minority Member Bill Heisinga of Michigan expressed concern that the draft measures would do very little to help put investors first and instead would create more barriers to capital formation and limit investment opportunities for American workers and Main Street investors. CII submitted a letter to the chair and ranking member of the subcommittee expressing our general support for two of the eight legislative proposals discussed at the hearing. The first item that CII gave a thumbs up to is the Holding Foreign Companies Accountability Act. The draft bill would require the SEC to prohibit public companies from trading on exchange or an alternative trading system if, one, the firm is inspected annually and it retains a foreign public accounting firm that the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board is unable to inspect for three consecutive years, or two, the firm is inspected once every three years and it retains a foreign public accounting firm that the PCOB is unable to inspect for six consecutive years. The draft bill would also require companies to disclose whether they are state-owned or government-controlled, a provision that would have particular implications for Chinese companies given the Chinese government's opposition to PCOB inspections. CI's letter notes that the number of Chinese companies listed on U.S. exchanges appears to be accelerating. CI tracked 33 foreign private firms based in China that IPO'd on U.S. exchanges in 2018. And just last month, a NASDAQ official commented that the exchange expects to have more than 40 IPOs from China this year. In our view, the provisions of the Accountability Act are not an unreasonable response to the risks raised by Chinese companies whose audits are not subject to oversight and review by the PCOB and the SEC, particularly in light of the apparent increasing size, scope, and significance of those issues. The second legislative proposal that CII supported at the June 9th hearing is the PCOB Enforcement Transparency Act. That draft bill would make PCOB enforcement hearings and all related notices, orders, motions, and sanctions open and available to the public unless otherwise ordered by the PCOB. This is the House companion bill to the bill co-sponsored by Senators Grassley and Reed that I referenced earlier. Both of the draft bills that CI supported at the June 9th hearing have significant support, including strong support from former PCOB Chairman James R. Doty. On June 20th, the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing to examine options for diversifying the gender, racial, and ethnic composition of corporate and federal boards. The hearing included discussion of several legislative proposals. CI sent a letter to the chair and ranking member of the House Financial Services Committee expressing support for two of the bills that were considered at the hearing. Our letter expressed general support for H.R. 1018, the Improving Corporate Governance Through Diversity Act, and H.R. 3279, the Diversity and Corporate Leadership Act of 2019. H.R. 1018 would require public companies to annually disclose the voluntarily self-identified gender, race, ethnicity, and veteran status of their board of directors, nominees, and senior executive officers. The bill would also require the SEC's Office of Minority Women Inclusion to publish best practices for compliance with diversity disclosures. 
3279 would require companies to disclose to shareholders information about the gender, racial, and ethnic diversity of their boards and require the SEC to establish a diversity advisory group and report annually to the House Financial Services Committee on companies' board diversity data. CI's letter concluded that the disclosures that would be required by either bill would contribute to enhancing U.S. public company board consideration of diversity consistent with CII's membership approved policies. June 26, the full House of Representatives approved H.R. 3351, the Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Act. As discussed earlier, that bill includes funding for the Securities and Exchange Commission. The bill included several amendments that were added by House Financial Services Committee Chair Maxine Waters of California that would prohibit the SEC from using federal funds for several purposes, including to propose, implement, administer, or enforce any rule that would revise the threshold for filing shareholder proposals or resubmissions under Rule 14A8, the shareholder proposal rule. Second, those amendments would also prohibit the SEC from using its funding for proposing, implementing, administering, or enforcing any rule that would revise the reliance of certain investors on the proxy solicitation exemption under the federal securities laws. This latter amendment is intended to bar the SEC from pursuing rulemaking to increase regulation over proxy advisory firms. While these amendments have been approved by the full House, it's currently unlikely that they will be included in the Senate version of the Financial Services and General Governmental Appropriations Bill. In other SEC news, on June 14th, the SEC rejected an effort by the New York Stock Exchange to loosen its rules for listing special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs, also known as blank check companies. These companies' business plans are to raise capital in an initial public offering and within a specified period of time engage in a merger or acquisition with one or more unidentified companies. New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ have welcomed more SPACs in recent years. CII found that the number of SPACs listing on U.S. exchanges climbed from 19 in 2017 to 43 in 2018. Apparently, to help keep these SPAC listings coming, the New York Stock Exchange in October proposed changing a current rule by reducing the number of shareholders a SPAC must maintain from 300 to 100. The Stock Exchange also proposed allowing SPACs more time following a business combination to demonstrate compliance with the applicable listing standards for an operating company, rather than requiring SPACs to immediately comply with such standards as they must now do. In its June 14th decision, the SEC said it could not sanction the rule changes because the New York Stock Exchange did not provide sufficient evidence that new rule requirements were designed to prevent fraudulent and manipulative acts and practices to promote just and equitable principles of trade and, in general, to protect investors in the public interest. CII submitted the only letter when the SEC originally was accepting comments on the proposed rule change. CII's letter noted that the New York Stock Exchange did not provide any evidence of the difficulties it was having in complying with the existing minimum number of shareholder requirements. CII's letter also asked for more information to help determine whether the proposed changes would benefit investors. On June 20th, CII sent a letter to the director of the SEC's Division of Corporation Finance, William Hinman, expressing concern about the evolution of the SEC staff's views on the ordinary business exclusion of shareholder proposals under Rule 14A8I7. 
Our letter focuses on one prong in the ordinary business exclusion, ruling out proposals that seek to micromanage a company by probing too deeply into matters of a complex nature upon which shareholders would not be in a position to make informed judgment. Our letter raised the concern that the SEC staff's too complex for shareholder basis for omission contains at least two risks. First, the risk that the staff's position may exclude many or eventually most proposals on subjects that shareholders care about, permitting only proposals that are no-brainers. The second risk we identified with the SEC staff's approach is the potential for haphazard SEC no-action guidance with no clear understanding of what makes a subject too complex for shareholders to understand. We believe those SEC staff decisions have led to confusion about what is considered micromanagement and appear to be an example of the staff substituting its judgment for that of shareholders on matters that should be debated and not excluded from the shareholder proposal process. Our letter specifically discusses exclusion of two types of proposals that the SEC staff viewed as too complex for shareholders. The first asks companies to adopt policies providing that no performance metrics used for senior executive compensation be adjusted to exclude legal or compliance costs. The second requests that companies report on greenhouse gas emission targets aligned with or taking into account goals of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Our letter concluded by urging the SEC staff to revisit its approach to Rule 14.8.I.7 so that it is more consistent with the language and intent of the underlying rule. Finally, on June 26th, CII, Healthy Markets, and the CFA Institute issued a joint letter to SEC Chairman Jay Clayton asking the SEC to improve disclosure of research costs to investors. Consistent with our 1998 member-approved policy on guiding principles for trading practices, commission levels, soft dollars, and commission recapture, the joint letter reflects CII's continued support for clarity and transparency of disclosure of brokerage arrangements. We believe that with the advent of MIFID II in Europe, the need for research cost transparency has never been greater. Many of you are aware MIFID II refers to European rules adopted last year that bar fund managers from paying for stock research with trading commissions known as soft dollars. In its wake, European fund managers have largely absorbed the cost of research while U.S. fund managers continue to use bundled commissions. As a result, many U.S. managers worry that they are subsidizing research used by fund managers in Europe. CII plans to continue to encourage the SEC to work toward full unbundling of the pricing of brokerage and research services in the United States. In the meantime, we believe robust disclosure research costs, as advocated in our joint letter, is an important step toward that goal. That completes my corporate governance and financial regulation update for June. Enjoy the fireworks on the 4th, and I'll speak to you again at the end of July. I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.